In today's episode, we talk about what mission-supporting habits we are going to focus on as we start a new year. You'll get some ideas on how you might build your habits for your new year. Hello and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. A new year has begun. Happy New Year. Woohoo! Yes, cheers to 2023. I'm wondering, Nancy, do you have any New Year's resolutions this year? <laughs> My resolution is not to have any resolutions. That way, I won't break them in a month. I mean, isn't it like sometime around like Valentine's Day, most people have stopped their resolutions? I definitely for me before that. Well, so I'm kind of joking because I actually do have a resolution and that is to think in terms of habits. Resolutions are so often behaviors or goals, aren't they? Like I'm going to get more organized or I'm going to spend more time on my hobbies or maybe I'm going to spend less money on chocolate. What? Well, (laughs) That last resolution was a really bad resolution. Why would you want to spend less money on chocolate? I literally have no idea. Okay, so I resolved to spend more money on chocolate, but I also want to spend a little bit more time thinking about resolutions. So like resolutions are what we want to accomplish, but it doesn't speak to how we accomplish them. And making resolutions a habit is really how we beat the odds and sustain these things, right? Whatever those actions are, We want to make them habits. So my resolution is to resolve to change habits. Mm, So interesting. And it reminds me of an ongoing nonprofit radio show theme, right? Where there's what we want to accomplish. And then we often miss the steps about really thinking carefully about how will we actually get there? That's that strategy piece. So I think what you're really saying is habits are like making your strategy. Oh, my God. I feel like we need to collectively fill out our bingo card. All right. So let's start with you, Nancy. What's a habit you're hoping to put into place in 2023? Well, I think the first habit I'm really holding on to is to stay optimistic. So we've talked about this before in in, in our like good thing list. Just recently, we talked about this. But it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the work and to see what's going wrong. And yet, I am so often reminded about the power of people coming together. I mean, every time I'm leading a board training, I look at those faces and these are people who are busy and they have stepped forward to serve their community. And that just gives me so much hope. And, you know, optimism is a collection of both, you know, hope and confidence. And it gives me just confidence that we've got this. Oh, that's such a great reminder, Nancy. And, you know, one of the things I always think about, I too want to stay optimistic. And I I think it's really important to pause for a moment and realize that when you say that, it doesn't mean you're ignoring problems or you're just putting a rosy spin on everything. I think actually staying optimistic means that you recognize, you see the problems and challenges but you're willing to face them head on. You have that confidence and that hope um, and that you believe there really is a path forward. Absolutely. I mean, it is that is the glass half full or half empty. And it our point of view, it is our mindset that determines how we see that glass. So, you know, just one example I'm thinking about, I'm working on a philanthropy project and 
And you know, there's so much wrong about philanthropy, right? You can look at any blog about the power disadvantages and the kind of racial inequities and all of that. And it's all true. Like there's absolutely that argument is true. But I just see that the world is changing in really good ways. And so I feel like philanthropy is a great example where we can get really depressed. And yet there are inroads being made. There are changes that are happening. There are, you know, I just read this morning about Mackenzie Scott's new website, Yield, and how exciting that is. And and so I do think that there are reasons to be optimistic. I agree. And and that plays really nicely into one of the habits I want to cultivate this year. It's similar and then slightly different. Um, I want to create a habit around pausing to unpack what went right. I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I actually remember a speech from my college graduation. I don't know if any of us ever really do, but I do. And our college president was about to retire and he he made this wonderful speech uh, saying that he feels like maybe our education let us down because it taught us to be really great analysts when things go wrong. And maybe what we didn't learn is how to be really great analysts when things go right. Because what we really want to do in this world is keep repeating those things. What was it that set up success? And I I see this in my daily life. It's really easy when something isn't going the way I want it to go to pause and be like, okay, how can we learn from what, you know, the, the mistake we just made? How can we learn and how do we do it better? But when something goes right, we hardly ever pause. We are just like, hey, it went right. And then we move on to the next thing. And really, there's something incredibly valuable to learn. And it's actually quite challenging to figure out why did that just work? What what long-term relationships did we build or what trust was there or how did we get to clear communication or right? what were the things that had to coalesce together to make something really good happen? So I, I want to stay optimistic and being so optimistic, I want to think more often about what makes things go right. I think that's so interesting because I think so much about how effective after action reviews are. So after an event or after a fundraising campaign or whatever to do that after action review. And so often we focus on what went wrong. And one of the framings I really like is what do we need to do more of and what do we need to do less of? And it's really, there's a balance there. So if you think of most conversations, as you just pointed out, we tend to skirt through the good stuff and then focus on the bad stuff. So the balance of time is so off kilter that we tend to think, oh, my God, that was a terrible event because we messed up the name tags or whatever. Right. Right. And it just seems like if we balance the time between what do we want to do more of or lean into because it worked and what do we want to do less of because it maybe didn't work, we're balancing that out a little bit more. I love that. So here's another habit that I want to hold on to, and I've started it just in the last week. I want to hold on to unscheduled time. So time blocks within the day or whole days, if possible. I just feel like our work is creative work, that we are innovating. We are thinking deeply. If we're trying to really change how our society functions, we are re-etching our brains with with new thoughts. And that really requires time. And so like so many of us, I can easily go from one meeting to the next meeting with barely any time in between. And I just don't have that half day or that full full day to just think. Yeah. So that's my habit that I want to create. Mm, I think that would be dramatically habit changing for 
for many of us in the nonprofit world, we, and probably really hard, you know, sometimes when I have unstructured time, I find it, it takes me a while to just settle in to it. I try to make a list all of a sudden in my unstructured time, which is sort of not the point of unstructured time. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I'd have to start with something, you know, bite-sized and be really good at it. And then, yeah, I love to work up to a whole day. I can only imagine the good ideas um, that might spur from something like that. Yeah. I mean, one of my examples of this is I just mentioned I'm working on this philanthropy project and one of the chapters is on legacy. So what is your Mm -hmm. legacy from your giving? What is your legacy? Like, what is your succession plan? Things like that. And I'm reading this document that they've given me and it's such a downer. It's all about how do you want to be remembered when you're dead? And (laughs) all this stuff like legacy and death are linked. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm reading this and there, of course, the problem we're trying to solve is people don't talk enough about legacy. They don't think enough in advance about, you know, the future of their giving and things like that. And of course I'm thinking, well, of course they're not talking about this. If legacy is connected to death and nobody wants to talk about death, then right out of the gate, So for three hours yesterday, I was on my drafting table, which is right behind me now. And I was just thinking about legacy and and how do we do this in a positive way? Like, how do we flip it? How do we make legacy about love and, you know, something just positive such that it's inviting for people to do? And I was sitting there for like two hours just thinking about legacy. And if you had looked at me, you'd be like, Nancy's doing nothing. And yet my brain was really trying to figure out how do I fundamentally change how we talk about this thing? Well, and I think the trick is just how do, how do we all do that at two hours during a reasonable time of day and not between two and four in the morning when our brain is racing? Uh, you're a muller too. Yes, absolutely. Well, and you know, the other habit I was going to bring up that I'm hoping to uh, really commit to this year is similar about time. And I do think this is something that has gotten worse for me as we've shifted to doing more and more Zoom meetings and, you know, more and more virtual things. It's super easy to have an eight, a nine and a 10 o'clock meeting right back to back because you don't have to travel anywhere. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll finish that one, you know, and then I'll just hop right on the next one. And now I see that creeping into my office life now that I'm back in the office also, you know, I'm, I'm just things are like boom, 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 boom. And there's not a moment in between. And I really feel like I need to be more like the dentist and, you know, schedule a 15 minute (laughs) interval, right. To clean the room. (laughs) So there can be an appointment from eight to nine, and then there can't be another one until nine 15, because what I'm finding is it's really challenging for me to shift the gears to then be fully present in the next meeting. In those first five minutes, I'm still sort of thinking about the to-do list from the last meeting or, Oh, I should have remembered to say that. And it makes it all the more exhausting, right? And I think I could be a gentler schedule to myself, which doesn't give the chunks of time you're talking about. It it doesn't solve that issue, but I think it makes it so you are able to be there for the meetings. And I think most people would understand if you asked the meeting to be at 9.15 rather than at nine. Mm, Absolutely. And I think, you know, I actually read research at one point that we fill up the time we have. So if we, Mm -hmm. if we say that we're going to do a task in one hour, we tend to do it in one hour. If we say six hours, we tend. And I think to some degree, one of the tricks that I've learned is that you can actually change your calendar settings so that if I set up Mm. a meeting with you, my Google Calendar is now set up to automatically go to 45 minutes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What I have noticed is people live, 
they speak to that time. So I'll be in a meeting with somebody and they'll say, oh, I realize we're running out of time. You know, let's wrap this up quickly because my calendar said five minutes. Yes. And that has been such an, I learned that from somebody else and it's been such an effective tool to use the technology to to make sure you have 45 minute meetings in my case so that I always have that 15 minute buffer. Oh, that's so great. That's already, that's an awesome, that's even like how to make a habit a habit. Exactly. And you can set it to like, there are times when I know I want to have a quick meeting with someone. I actually really don't think this needs a lot of time. So I just set it for 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. And, right. and they, th- we have this common understanding that we're going to be done after 30 minutes. I love it. So these are our habits. And I wonder if part of our resolution to focus on habits involves a resolution to do something related to these habits in ways that make them habits. So like, it's one thing for us to say we want to stay positive or be optimistic, whatever, but we actually need to put that into action. And I have no idea what the research says on this, but I want to say three times. I, I mean, it feels like you have to do something three times in order for it to have some stickiness. Doesn't that feel right to you? Yeah. I mean, one's too easy to be like, well, that one didn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been trying to exercise too. I have an yeah. exercise bike and I did it once and I was like, yes, yeah. I have a new habit. <laughs> My very honest 20 year old daughter reminded me that once is not a habit. Darn. <laughs> So I wonder, you know, I'm thinking a lot about like, how do we, so I'm going to go through my calendar, for example, and I'm going to carve out those unscheduled times going out three weeks or, or, you know, into the new year through January, for example, what are some tricks that you might think about that? How do we keep this forefront as we move forward? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I always love calendaring too, as a tool. And one of the things I like to do is end the week right? So end, pick a Friday and, you know, at four o'clock on Friday before you leave, if, if your resolution is I'm going to thank somebody or, you know, something like that, that helps you stay positive or at four o'clock on Friday, I'm going to think about something that happened this week that was good. And I'm going to jot down just five insights into why was that good? It doesn't have to be like a academic research paper, but just like, I'm just going to reflect for a few minutes on what went right this week. And I, I think ending your work week it with something positive, it gets reinforced because it feels good, right? So you'll want to do it again. So our word of the week is resolution. And you know, we love looking up words and resolutions are decisions. They, they, that just sounds so final. Like I can decide to do something. That doesn't mean I actually am going to do it. Right. But I think what's interesting here is that the verb resolve is the process of coming up with the decision. So right now, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're really in a great place to think about what we want to resolve to do, right? Just just that selection is so important. And I think connected to the word also is that word resolute, which is characterized by firmness and determination. And so how do we stay resolute in what we're trying to move forward? And obviously it doesn't work to just say it in January and be done with it by, you know, Valentine's Day. You have to stay resolute, which means you have to have a strategy. You have to build it into your systems. That's so great. When I look at this word, you, you've sent it to me, you know, an email and I, I saw resolve and I immediately, I don't know what this says about my brain, but my brain immediately looked at it as resolve. And I think that's a lot of what we're also talking about, which is usually you want to set a resolution or have a goal, a habit that you want to start because whatever you are doing isn't working for you, right? You, you want to re-solve the problem. <laughs> and that means you have to look at it in a different way. You have to 
think about it in a different way. You have to be more conscious of it than you have been. Um, all the things we've been talking about. And um, so I'm going to hold on to the idea of I need to resolve the things that aren't working for me. Mm, great insight. Yeah. Well, so it is the start of a new year, and that is a time of, of celebration and a lot of hope. And hopefully, as Nancy mentioned, some great confidence that we can do what we need to do in the year ahead for our missions. We have the chance to honor what we've learned and step into a future that we influence in how we show up. We'd be curious to know what resolutions you have for yourself or your organization and how you plan to make them habits. We hope you'll write to us or share on the episode page on our website at nonprofitradioshow.com. We'd sure love to hear from you in 2023. Here's to a wonderful year for you and your mission. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities. Mm-hmm.